Alcoholics Anonymous, page 75, which discusses the mechanics of the fifth step. Nancy P. will be our reader, followed by a 20-minute share by Rita from Ireland. Nancy? Hi, good morning, thank you. Um, Nancy P. recovered in West Newton, Massachusetts. When we decide who is to hear our story, we waste no time. We have a written inventory and we are prepared for a long talk. We explain to our partner what we are about to do and why we have to do it. He should realize that we are engaged upon a life and death errand. Most people approached in this way will be glad to help. They will be honored by our confidence. We pocket our pride and go to it, illuminating every twist of character, every dark cranny of the past. Once we have taken this step, withholding nothing, we are delighted. We can look the world in the eye. We can be alone at perfect peace and ease. Our fears fall from us. We begin to feel the nearness of our Creator. We may have had a certain spiritual. We may have had certain spiritual beliefs, but now we begin to have a spiritual experience. The feeling that the drink problem has disappeared will often come strongly. We feel we are on the broad highway walking hand in hand with the spirit of the universe. Returning home, we find a place where we can be quiet for an hour, carefully reviewing what we have done. We thank God from the bottom of our heart that we know him better. Taking this book down from our shelf, we turn to the page which contains the 12 steps. Carefully reading the first five proposals, <clears throat> excuse me, we ask if we have omitted anything, for we are building an arch through which we shall walk a free man at last. Is our work solid so far? Are the stones properly in place? Have we skimped on the cement to put into the foundation? Have we tried to make mortar without sand? Karen, you're muted. Okay. Thank you, Nancy. Uh, we now we have Rita from Ireland, well, in England, wherever UK right now. Sorry, Rita, and um, she'll share with us for twenty minutes. Rita, would you like me to remind you of the time, or can you do that? I've got it in front of me actually, but if you maybe give me a wee nudge at uh, seventeen. Seventeen. Okay, I'll do that. Okay. Thanks, Rita. Brilliant. Thanks so much. Hi guys, my name is Rita. I'm a recovering compulsive overeater. Uh, yeah, I'm Irish, but living in Manchester. So I just wanted to qualify. Uh, first of all, I came to away in 2004 and I thought everybody was nuts, but I was desperate. So um, I worked a really hard program. I just tried my best and I got it. I really got it. And I had five years of wonderful abstinence, lost 140 pounds, and then I lost the plot. Um, which I will talk about as we talk about this this page. I was really delighted actually I got into action. So I, t I just want to tell you how I got into action into the disease. I basically ate from a very early age and I, I was praying to God last night about how to share and I had a really strong memory come back to me. We were on holidays in Donegal. We had a caravan that we used to tow and we were by the beach and we were in a shop and my mum, we were scanning through the stuff and the woman said, your, your daughter's taking some sweets. I was really young and, I, and my mum looked at me because she, we, you know, we were very honest. I had a really good upbringing and, and, and I just went, no, I haven't. You know, I was like, no, I haven't, no, I haven't. And she went and the girl said, she's taking some of that pop and candy. I don't know if you remember it. And my mum said, open your mouth, open your mouth really loudly. And this explosion opened of the pop and candy. And I thought, that's just me all over constantly trying to eat, constantly hiding food, constantly eating and eating and eating. And I couldn't stop. And it got worse when I came to England, when I discovered drink, which I didn't have an alcohol problem, but it was definitely a gateway for the food. Food was my master from a very early age. It was my comforter. But you know something I learned by taking these steps, which is really important. Food was never the problem. It was never the problem. Step one is the only step that mentions the food. 
it was not the problem. It was my self-loathing, my fear, my resentment, my anger. They were all the things that I had over and I had over them the whole way through my life, you know, and uh, and I had over them in relapse. And, you know, the pain and destruction of the food, the fear of that pain and destruction for me far outweighs the fear of putting the food down now. And thankfully, I've been clean for over 22 months, by the grace of God, one day at a time. And it's just amazing, you know, to get back there. And I don't have, you know, they say the first recovery is a gift. The second one you've really got to work for. I don't have any more recovery in me. I've got to just stick to this every single day. So I'll go into the chapter. So it says here, when we decide who is to hear our story, we waste no time. So it doesn't tell you. I'll tell you what, write out a few things, sit in your ass for a couple of months and then find somebody. No, it says we waste no time. You got to find somebody. This, this is a real step five itself is the first of the action steps. It's ones where we have to really, really pull out everything we've got inside us. But don't worry, it doesn't have to. You know, things come back all the time because the more that the SHIT, try not to swear, is removed from the inside of you, the more that comes up and it comes up gradually. And that's OK. That's why you have somebody to help you. That's why you have a spiritual advisor or a sponsor or somebody who's guiding you. So it says, yeah, we've written an inventory and we're prepared for a long talk. Most step fives I do, do to, with, with sponsors, take a good few hours and that's okay because they're supposed to and it's such an honour as a sponsor to do it. It goes on to say, we explain what we're going to do, you know, and, and it says then we pocket our pride and go to it. So this is where the ego has got to go. Ego is not my amigo when it comes to this step, I can tell you now, it's got to go. You pocket your pride and it says we go illuminating every twist of character. It is better to shine a light in the darkness or shine a light in the darkness than to, cur than to curse, I can't remember, light a candle and shine a light than curse the darkness. I'm always laughing, I always get that wrong. I cursed everything before away, I'm telling you now. I, you know, ev everything used to piss me off and uh, now it takes a lot to rile me. But when it does it, you know, it annoys me and I have to do a mini step 10, 11 and 12 to get it out. So it says, we pocket our pride, we go through it withholding nothing. There is nothing I haven't heard as a sponsor. The only thing I haven't heard is murder, I think that pretty much everything else and I can tell you now I related to everybody's step fives when people told me stuff I'd done it as well I had lied I had stole you know I had manipulated my way into situations that were just horrendous but this this step is going to bring the spiritual awakening so it says and there's promises that's what I love the most it says when we withhold nothing we will be delighted we can look the world in there these are the promises of this step Everybody thinks it's just the promises further down in 83, 85, but it's not. There's more here. We begin to, you know, we feel a perfect ease. Other, other fears fall from us. And that is so true. You know, it's a human emotion that sends us back to the food. It's not the allure of the food itself, although that can be alluring to some people. It's a human emotion. And when the human emotions, that anger, that fear, that, that resentment, it, it knocks on the door of the mental twist. And the mental twist is sat there smoking a big cigar and he will tell you, you know what? I've got something for you. It's in the fridge. It's in the cupboard. It's going to help you. No, it's not. It's going to send you loopy. That's what happens. And the mental twist can drive us back to the food to get relief from that pain. We have got to exercise everything out of us. That is the only thing that worked for me. You know, the shame, removing the shame, removing the guilt, all of it. So like I said, it's an action plan and humility is key for this step. And humility on its basic, basic form is being the best version of yourself that you could be. So nowadays, I always think to myself, what was I like to live with today? 
because see, when I was in the food, I was horrendous. I was narky. I was horrible. I shared at a meeting the other day, um, you know, that I remember packing a bag on my poor husband, packing a bag because he didn't do the counters properly when we first moved in together. You know, and I was really committed to that huff. That huff was a big huff. And I was so committed to that huff because I did everything brilliantly and perfectly. And I was huffing, I was packing the bag and he was crying. I, thought, I remember actually saying, my inner self was thinking, what are you doing, you big looper? And then I thought, this is really cruel. This is so cruel. And I thought, well, I've packed half a bag now. I've got to get, you know, I've got to get the jacket on. I've got to do the lot. So I didn't do it. Half measures avail us nothing. Even when you're huffing and resenting, I took it to the extreme. So, you know, it's just owning that. So I think, what was I like to live with? So humility for me has been the best version of myself. And it goes on here and it says, it says again here, the feeling that the drink problem has disappeared or the food problem will often come strongly. We feel we're on a broad highway, walking hand in hand with the spirit of the universe. Sometimes I think, do I really not want to eat? I'd be looking at myself thinking, you don't actually want food. And I had a horrendous thing happen this week. I've lost one of my best friends, died on sudden, uh, suddenly on Wednesday night. She was 41 years of age with twin boys, three-year-olds. And I was praying to God. I was so angry and I, I was resentful, but I felt it. I felt it. And because I felt it and because it was well, I was able to set up a GoFundMe. I was able to do things, practical things to help the family. I can't do that when I'm in the food. Well, I can, but it becomes about my grief and my pain and me, me, me to the tune of I, I, I. I have to think of others. And it's really weird experiencing that in sobriety, actually, because I lost both my parents and had stage four cancer when I was eating. And the food worked then. It did actually work because I was numbing myself. Of course it worked because I was turning myself into a zombie. But now that's not the case. Now I live each day as it comes. So it says then, as we were hand in hand, the spirit of the universe, I have to, before my feet hit the ground in the morning, I have to ask God to take my day because otherwise it will turn into a shit show. Excuse my French, it really will. So I say to God, please look after me today, make decisions for me. And then I, I talk to him and I really just zone in and I try and listen to what he's telling me. What is he guiding me? And I don't always know what God wants me to do. I always say that, but I know what he doesn't want me to do. That is clear. That is very clear. I'm picking up food now, even in this awful pain of, of sorrow that I have for my friend. It's a terrible disservice to her if I pick up the food and her memory because I am eating over the pain. And that's not fair either. I, you know, I have to feel it. So it says, returning home, we find a place where we can be quiet for an hour. This is really key. We only need to be quiet for an hour. Big job for me to do that, but I can do it. Just an hour. We don't have to be quiet for six years before we take step five, six, seven and eight or six, seven and eight. This is a really big misunderstanding because stuff will come up and it'll come up in your 10 later on, 11. That's OK. You take an hour. You thank God from the bottom of your heart that you know him better. You really do. The first time I did this step, it was the biggest relief. I had something quite bad on the step and it was the biggest relief. It was like somebody had taken this shoulder this off me and it's so important to talk to somebody the reason we get share it with somebody else is because they can guide us they can tell us you know what to do they can they can advise not what to do necessarily but to advise us and then it says taking the book down from a shelf we turn to the page which contains a step it's just a reminder again step one to three giving up four to six is cleaning up seven to nine is making up and most importantly, 10 to 12 is growing up. And it's about that constant growing up. So it says, then it goes on to say, first five proposals, we ask if we have admitted anything for we are building an arch through which we should walk a free man. It talks about 
this arch again on page 62, that triumphant arch of freedom, that's what matters. Once you go through that, it's really hard to turn back unless the mental twist and the, you know, unless that's knocking on the door again and you answer the door. It says, is our work solid for so far? Are the stones properly in place? Have we skimped on the cement or, or put into the foundations? Have we tried to make mortar really sand? Want to explain about my relapse? It was a small thing. It was just one thing. I'm sure you've heard that before. It was one thing on a plane from Las, Las, um, Vegas to LA. And then we were on a honeymoon, we're going around the world. And then it was one thing in New Zealand and one thing in Australia, one thing in Thailand, one thing in Hong Kong. By the time I got back to the UK, it was a friggin' free for all, all you can eat buffet, I can tell you now. And that's the disease that is believing. And that's why it's so important to clean up. And um, there's something else I wanted to say. You have nothing to lose but the food by doing the step. That is all you're going to lose. This is an action step. And I personally, I find it really difficult to do this step. I don't really take anybody past three if they're still eating because you, you cannot get the benefit of the step if you're still eating. You just can't, for, as far as I'm concerned, because the food is so strong. It just completely manipulates your head. It'll tell you black is white. It'll tell you you're doing a great job because your ego, that's what your ego does. Make me right, make me feel good right now, but make me different. And we want that all the time. That's what the ego wants for us. And it's not, it's just none of it's true. We're only as sick as our secrets. That's what it always said. And I just, you know, we're embracing God by being on this broad highway. We're all together on the broad highway. You know, for somebody who's, for newcomers, it seems like a really scary step. You think, oh, I don't want to tell people those secrets. I don't want to be that person. But let me tell you, it's okay. It's all been done before, you know, and I, I, I find it really difficult, you know, not admitting my wrongs, but just sitting in that moment, sitting in the pain, sitting in the dirty nappy, as they say, you know, it's a hard thing to do. But once it's done, the freedom is incredible. The beauty experience from it. And every day I wake up now and I feel free. And like I said, I, I, I do question myself sometimes. I think, am I absent? Because this seems a wee bit too easy for me because life was so hard before. And I'd love to say to you that my life was a mess, but it wasn't, you know. I, I'm, I retired at 44. I have a house, I don't have a mortgage. I'm not saying that to boast. I'm saying that on paper, everything looked great. I have a happy marriage, like I said. And, but, you know, inside I was dying. I hated myself. I cannot explain the self-loathing. It was horrendous. I felt like every time I went into a room, I had to apologize. It was like, oh, sorry, it's me again. You got me. Even when I share, sometimes that comes back a wee bit. I'm thinking, those pair of brothers are going to have to sit beside and listen to me, and they can't even understand me anyway. And it's like, you know, but we're embracing God in this step. And somebody once said famously, you know, if you walk to God, he will run to you. And it's so true. My higher power carries me when I can't do this. And I have to rely on him because if I don't rely on him through this step, I can't through through any of the steps, then it's just me doing it. It's just self-will run riot. And you know, they it does talk about the promises. And I would just want to mention again, it will that feeling that the drink problem will disappear when food is down, it does. It really does. And the freedom is immense. The odd day, like I say, I get a wee a wee stupid notion into my head. But I know that notion, I know what to do when those notions come in. And then I get a fear that I haven't shared. And then I think I need to share that because that's when it starts to get, you know, dicey. You just, a resentment you will not share, a fear that you will not share, they will be impediments in your recovery. And this step, this step will give you the freedom.
And, you know, it says here, most people approached in this way will be glad to help. You know, when you tell somebody you want it, I have to say here in step four and five or here in step five from a sponsee is one of the most amazing things in the program. I always cry secretly. They don't know, but I always cry or always at my heart. You know, there's always a part of me that's just so taken by it. It's, it's the honesty. And when we seek true honesty, honesty begets honesty. And this negative ball of muck that you have inside you will turn into something beautiful. It will turn into something positive because you will start getting sobriety and you those promises will come true and they will be beyond your wildest dreams. And I just didn't work hard enough in my, you know, during my relapse, I just didn't work hard enough. I wanted the food more than I wanted the recovery. I couldn't go back to that hell now. I just can't. There's just no way for today. For today, I just can't do it. I put my hands on God's and I let him lead me. Sometimes I'll drag him, try and drag him another way, but he's a lot more powerful than me, thank God. So, you know, I just wanted to say that if you're stuck in the food, it is possible to get out of it. I put on, I put on, I went up to 380 pounds in relapse. I put on 12 stone for the, the Brits on the line. You know, I put on 168 pounds. I up my way up because that's what happens. That's what happens. I don't do anything by half measures. I don't do one biscuit. I don't do one of anything. You know, I just can't. So they always talk about the disease doing press-ups. I always hear that, you know, your disease is doing press-ups outside. Mine had Olympic trainer. Mine had gone to the Olympics and won 10 gold medals. So when that's happening outside the rooms and when that's happening outside of me, my recovery has to be doing twice as much as well. You know, I have to, you know, it's all about saying please in the morning, thank you at night and in between helping another compulsive overeater because that for me is the goal and that's all I want to do now thank god I am retired because that is all I want to do is help my suffering fellow compulsive overeater and watch a bit of Netflix when I can that's it and just to have you know and this is the easier softer way I promise you it is all those diet clubs all those promises all those try counting this you can eat as much as this you can eat dust out of your Dyson that'll solve it oh yeah of course I can won't take away the pain, doesn't take away the worry, doesn't take away anything else. But this does. This gives you a new way of living. This gave me a new way of living. It gave me a new understanding of who I was. And it gave me a new, you know, I had a very, I mean, I was very lucky. I had a massive spiritual awakening. I have shared this before, but I'll share it one more time if people haven't heard it. I was lay on a hospital bed or I had gone for a, I had blood cancer. So my bone marrow was knackered and the pain was excruciating and the morphine didn't touch it. And uh, I went to have a bath in the hospital and I was in the bath. I was 380 pounds or more, probably tipping 390. And I had a hot bath because that really helped. And I remember letting the water, this is a rookie mistake if you're overweight. For anybody who's massive, do not let the water out before you try and get out of the bath because you weigh twice as much. You're like a dead body. And I let the water out and I couldn't. I couldn't get up and the tears were streaming down my face. I was so weak. I was bald. I was sick. I hadn't eaten in a week. I was so weak. Um, ninth bout of sepsis, it nearly killed me. And it was St. Patrick's Day. I'll never forget it that I got brought in by ambulance. And I remember thinking, I can't pull the string because nobody is going to be able to lift me out of this bath. And I remember feeling this awful shame. And then I heard God say really clearly, I heard it as clear as day as I'm talking to you now. He said, you need to go back to OA. And I knew at that moment, once I got out of my wheelchair a couple of weeks later, I knew where the meeting was. I knew I could park outside the meeting. I didn't need the wheelchair. I got up. Two, you know, two years ago, I couldn't walk around my local park. I go around it every morning now. It's a mile and a half and it's beautiful. 
last time I was in that park. Really During lockdown, really. I went back. Thanks, Karen. The last time I was in that park, I was in a wheelchair and I was riddled with this disease. Not only with the cancer, but I was riddled with the, the, the eating. And that's no longer the case now. I am happy, joyous and free. And though I've had a very hard week and a very sad, sad week, I'm still happy, joyous and free in my heart. And that is something that I can't, I just can't, I can't commute. I, I can't compute to everybody. It's so difficult to understand. It's so difficult to tell people how this works. But I remember a really good friend in a way said to me, you know, there is a hard, you've got to pick your hard. Is the food, is the food, you know, the food will work. Of course it'll work, but so will the steps. And the steps do exactly the same as what the food will do without all the horrendous side effects. The weight gain. Stuffing Weedabix, stuffing Weedabix into my mouth that I choked on while I was stood over the sink because it didn't count if I added over the sink and if I added it really fast without milk, that didn't count. This is the shit that I was told. This is what this is what the disease told me. He was my worst enemy. And now I can only, there's only two rooms in my house now. One is recovery and one is disease. And you can only transmit one of those things. And I want to try and transmit recovery every day of my life. And to do that, I have to have a regular routine of what I do. I have to have an action plan. I have to have a food plan that works for me. I cannot eat my alcoholic foods and that is absolutely fine. I don't even want them. I don't desire them. There's nothing I desire nowadays, except maybe Tom Hardy, but that's unachievable at the moment. I'm married, but um, <laughs> you know, I'm just so happy to be here. We are not a glum lot. We really aren't. And I, and I love that. I love laughter. I just love it. I love laughing. I love joking. And, you know, I found my voice again. I found my laughter again, the real laughter, not the pain, not the laughing through the pain, not the laughing. It sounds OK. You know, that pretense is gone. The, the promises have come true. That's me, I think, now. So I'll leave it there. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Rita, for your share. And for those who came late, thank, thank you. you.